Let's now go to the word of the Lord. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now will tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is the word of the Lord. What we just heard was the very word of God. Amen? Amen. Hey, do we have any dancers in the house? Anybody just enjoy dancing? Anybody? Yes. Uh, Can y'all give me some dancing music? Y'all got any dancing music for us? Oh, yes. How about the electric slide? Do we have any daring folk in the church this morning? If we have some daring folk, why don't you make your way to the front? The electric slide, y'all know it. Come on, y'all, come on. Do we have... Oh, we only got two folks. Come on. Come on, y'all. Right here. Come on, y'all. Hey. Y'all gonna leave us hanging? Y'all gonna leave us hanging? Hey! We got a church full of folk. Nobody knows how to do the electric slide. Keep going, y'all. Nobody knows how to do the electric slide. Nobody knows. There we go. There we go. There we go. Come on. Come on, y'all. Keep going. We're doing this in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, y'all. There we go. Yeah. I'm convinced. Yes. Yes. The kids, the kids have it. The kids have it. Yes. All right, y'all. Thank you. Let's give them a hand. Yes. I love it. As they are taking their seats, some of y'all are offended. I am so sorry. (laughs) I, I, I apologize from the bottom of my heart. 
Um, send your emails to Richard <laughs> again. Um, I remember, y'all, when I was in school, it's so crazy. Uh, our school kind of flipped the script. There, there was girls' palms, but during Spirit Week, there were boys' palms. This was an opportunity for the fellas to throw down, you know? And, and, and so I remember the girls would come in and they would teach the guys this routine. And, and, and we would get up before everybody and we'd have to do this dance for boys' palms. And, and I remember one word that they would say, y'all have to be convincing. They would always tell us, y'all have to be convincing. And so when we get, got out of, got out there in front of the whole school, we're doing our thing, you know, uh, dancing away, doing the electric slide, doing our little thing. Where's Mike Shaw? Mike Shaw knows what I'm talking about. Yes, he knows. Mike Shaw had a little boy's palms in him. Uh, we're doing our thing as a class. And, and they're telling us, be convincing. And then you go back and watch this thing on video. It's everything but convincing. Um, and some of y'all this morning were convincing. Others, you know, we got a little work to do, you know. <laughs> but some of y'all were incredibly convincing. And I love it because we were, we were stepping together. We were moving at the same rhythm and at the same pace. We, we convinced y'all that we were willing to take the step to do it. We, we convinced you, and some of y'all just wanted to, but you could not get out of your seat. You, man, if I, I just, ugh. And then when I, when I said, alright, thank you, you're like, dang, I missed my chance. <laughs> but here we are dancing lock and step together, and, and here we are convincing you that we're willing to, to dance. We're, we're, willing, we're willing to take the steps. That we have the pedigree to, to do what it takes. And I love this because when we look at our text, what we're going to see is a group of convinced disciples. We're going to see Paul talking to the church of Philippi. And what he is telling them is that they are a convinced people. You may say, what the heck are you talking about? Paul speaks to a church and he knows that they are convinced of the gospel that he has preached to them. We're going to see three main ideas this morning. We'll see that convinced disciples are called by Jesus. We'll see that convinced disciples have eternal perspective in mind. And we'll see that convinced disciples accept the process. I've tagged this text, convinced disciples, but before we go to work, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, that we can move together in your name. Thank you, Father, that the church is celebratory. That when we gather together, we have something to celebrate about. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that, that as we gather under the teaching of your word, that you would speak to us, God. That you would open our ears. That you would open our eyes. That you would open our hearts. That we may receive from you. God, move me aside. Eliminate distractions. That your word would go forth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we began a series on discipleship. And it's our hope that when we're done, you're able to walk away with a working understanding of discipleship. 
and even more of a desire to be obedient to God's commands of us. What we've said is that we cannot make our way to to understanding discipleship before we understand who the disciple is. That we've got to understand disciples, this, this element of disciples before we get to discipleship. Last week, we learned that disciples are followers of Christ. That disciples want their friends to know Jesus. And disciples pursue fellowship with sinners. We saw Jesus uh, say in Matthew chapter 9, Come, follow me. And I love this. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says, Come, follow me. And one of the reasons I love it is because Jesus says, Come, follow me to his potential disciple in front of everybody. And he challenges this disciple, and kids, I want y'all to hear this this morning. He challenges his disciple to come out and to be bold about their faith. And so you have no reason to hide about the love you have on the inside of you for Jesus because Paul says, come out and follow me. And we can be bold about our faith. I want y'all to know that this morning. That you can be bold about your faith. Jesus calls out his disciples in front of everybody. And he says, follow me. Follow me. You can do it. The idea of a disciple is a learner. A disciple submits to the wisdom of the one they are learning from. It is the act of coming under. And if we are to be a disciple of Jesus, it is the picture of submitting to his wisdom and submitting to his authority above our own. You are not a disciple if you are doing things your own way. Being a disciple of Jesus means that you are a learner and you are submitting to the will, the way, the authority, and the wisdom of God. Today we want to continue to answer that same question, what is a disciple? Paul in his letter to the church of Philippi helps us to better see the anatomy of a disciple. And if we're going to fully understand Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 downward, uh, we've got to notice what Paul says directly before our passage. Paul says, it is my goal to know Christ. He says, you know what, I've lost a great deal, but none of it compares to knowing Jesus. Paul continues by saying, knowing him will not happen by my own merit. It will not happen by me doing better. It only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, above anything else, I just want to know him. I want to to know him in his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. And I want to one day experience glory with him through the resurrection. Paul says, the biggest thing in my life is that I want to know Christ. Is that your desire this morning? Is it your desire to, to just know him? Or are we seeking after the things of his hand? Paul says, above anything else, Jesus, I just want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I I want to experience you, God. And that's my prayer for our time this morning together, is that we would experience God. that That we would grow in our knowledge of Christ. And that we would desire 
from it to walk with Him each and every day of our lives. The deepest desire of the genuine disciple is to know Jesus. What is a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus has this, this, this deep yearning to, to know Him, to be with Him, to experience life with Him. Is it your desire to sit at the feet of Jesus? Is it your desire to, to, to spend time with Him? To commune with Him? That should be the desire of every genuine disciple to know and love Jesus. It is upon this runway that Paul, he takes flight into our text. And one of the first ideas we see here is that convinced disciples are called by Jesus. Convinced disciples are called by Jesus. Remember Paul says, I want to know Jesus. And he says, one day I want to experience glory with Christ through resurrection from the dead. And look at verse 12 with me. Look at this. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. What Paul is basically saying is he's not perfect. Paul is saying, I'm not complete. I'm not finished yet. Paul is saying, God is not done with me yet. I'm still a work in progress. I'm imperfect. and, And yet, even though I am imperfect, I'm still pressing forward. He is pressing forward to really grasp the truth of Jesus. Why? Get this. Why is he pressing forward to grasp the truth of Jesus? Because Jesus has made him his own. Jesus has made Paul his own. Paul acknowledges the reason for pressing forward. Paul acknowledges the the reason for putting one foot in front of the other. is because Jesus has made him his own. Paul says, Jesus has apprehended me. Jesus has arrested me. Jesus has got a a hold of me. And because of it, I I, want to know him. I want to know him in his suffering. I want to know him in his resurrection. I want to spend time with him. I want to experience Jesus because he has called my name. And he has arrested my heart. He has apprehended me. Paul says, Jesus has a hold on me. And I love it because what this shows us is that it is the act of Jesus and not Paul. That explains the reason why Jesus, that, that Paul is apprehended. Paul says, Jesus has taken a hold of me. And it, it is Jesus who put on flesh and came down in the form of a man. It is Jesus who was obedient to death. It is Jesus who has satisfied the wrath of God for sinners. It is Jesus who makes us aware of our sin. And it is Jesus who calls men and women to himself. Paul recognizes that Jesus called him. And not only that Jesus called him, Jesus made him his own. I want you to hear me. There are no disciples apart from the call of Christ. Apart from Christ calling us, we are nothing. Apart from Christ reaching out toward us, we are nothing. There is no such thing as being a disciple of Jesus if Christ has not called you. 
And what Paul recognizes is that it was not in his own strength. It was not in his own righteousness. He recognizes that, that Jesus did for him what he could not do for himself. He called him. And he apprehended him. He got a hold on him. He grasped him. Paul knows that it was Jesus. And it was not his own strength. It was God that called Abraham. It, 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 was, it was God that, that, that called Moses as he's floating down the Nile River. It was God that called Paul on the road to Damascus, a, a guy who killed Christians for sport. It was God who called his name. And it was God who, if you are, are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, it was God who called you. He reached out to you. He picked you up out of the miry clay and he gave you a new name. He called you friend. He called you son and daughter when you were a stranger and, a, and an alien. It was him who reached out to you. And I want you to hear me this morning. There are no disciples apart from the call of Jesus. We cannot rush to methodology as it relates to discipleship before we talk about disciples. Apart from Jesus calling us. Apart from Him seeing the condition that we are in. Apart from Him calling our name. We are nothing. We are not disciples of Jesus unless He calls us first. Unless he reaches down toward us. Romans 9, Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 16 says this. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Do you see that? There are no disciples apart from the call of God. Look at John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The only way that, that you and I will ever begin to follow Jesus is if He calls us. The only way that you and I will ever begin to know Jesus and walk with Jesus is if He has compassion and mercy upon us. It's by His hand. It's by His work. And not our own. Has He called you? Has He called you? Uh, it's so crazy um, because, you know, I got... I got Three sisters and an older brother. I'm the youngest of five. And my brother and I, we were thick as thieves. We, I mean, we just stuck together. We did everything together. We got in trouble together. And uh, we'd be running around in the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, somebody would, you know, the street lights would begin to go down. Y'all know about that, you know. You got to be in the house by the time the street lights uh, go dim. And we would hear our names being called. You know, it's like... It's like a voice in the wilderness. <laughs> we would hear our names being called, and, you know, all of our friends would stop, and they'd be like, oh, you know, they're, they're calling y'all. Y'all better get back home. And my brother and I would stop for a second, and we we listen. And ever so often, you know, we just keep playing. 
We'd hear our names being called. And you know why? Because we realized it was one of our sisters. And we're not going back for them, you know. That's just not going to happen. And then we would hear the real voice crying out in the wilderness. That was mama's voice. And when we would hear that voice, everything stopped. Because we knew what that meant. And even if nobody else around us knew, uh, if, if nobody else knew what that meant, we did. We'd stop and we, oh, whoa, it's time to get home. Because that voice was calling. See, we belonged to her. And when she called, we responded. And here is the message that Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I want to know Christ and I have not been completed yet. Yes, I am pressing toward the mark. I I, want to know him, but I'm not done yet. And and the reason I want to know him is because he's got a hold on me. He's called my name. He has called me out of darkness into the marvelous light. And I got to ask you the question this morning. Have you answered his call? Have you said yes to him when he calls you? There are no disciples of Jesus Christ unless he calls. Secondly, it's important for us to understand that convinced disciples have an eternal perspective. Convinced disciples have an eternal perspective. Paul says in verse 17, Brothers, join me in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Then verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. Get this. With minds set on earthly things. Paul makes it crystal clear in verse 18 that everybody is not a disciple of Jesus. He makes it crystal clear that there are some who have taken hold of the truth of the gospel and then there are enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul makes it clear. And so for, for, for those of us who take a hold of this position that says... Every way leads in the same direction and everything will be okay one day. Paul would disagree with you. Paul says there are disciples of Jesus Christ and then there are enemies of him. And you and I have to wrestle with that. We've got to wrestle with the reality that some are disciples and some our enemies. This is why it's important for us to talk about this element of disciples because we need to know the anatomy of a disciple. See, Paul says, for an enemy, their end is destruction. Paul says they're after their own pleasure. They they glory in their own disgrace. And then Paul says, they are more focused on worldly things. More times than not, they are consumed with the temporary rather than the eternal. That's the sign 
of those who are enemies of God. That, that they are consumed with what is temporary more times than not. Paul says this is the sign of the enemy of God. Listen to how Paul continues in verse 20. Listen to this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. As disciples of Jesus, Paul has a healthy understanding that the here and now is not all that there is. Paul knows that that the here and now is not all that there is. There's still more to come. Say say to your neighbor, there's still more to come. There's still more to come. Paul realizes that this is not all that there is. He realizes that the genuine disciple of Jesus Christ looks to the hills from which cometh their help. They are not completely concerned with the here and now only. But yet they, they, they have this perspective in which they, they are looking to the eternal. They are looking to things that are forever. When you think about citizenship, uh, think about loyalties. Citizenship's point, citizenship, it points to where your loyalties lie. And I love this. William Barclay, he, he talks about how the picture of citizenship would be clear to the church of Philippi. uh, Because they were actually conquered by Rome. They were colonized by Rome. And Rome was literally colonizing places all over the map. And uh, typically it was filled with soldiers. And after these Roman soldiers would retire, they would just land in a place and, and they would just begin to live there. And and here they are colonizing places that are outside of Rome, but yet they are able to keep their citizenship. They are still a Roman citizen. And so here they are in a place like Philippi, and they're they're wearing the attire of Rome. They are creating rules and governance like they are in Rome. And the reality is, Paul is saying... In just the same way that the Roman colonists uh, are still Roman citizens, Philippians, I need you to understand that your real home, your real citizenship is in heaven. And he is communicating something incredibly beautiful to them. He's saying to a persecuted church, I know you are going through, but your citizenship is not in this earth, but your citizenship is in heaven. And that ought to encourage us this morning. Because the here and now is not all that there is. There's more to come. There's more to come. There's more to come. Paul is saying, church... Philippians, don't give up now. Keep pressing forward. Because this is not all that there is. There is more to come. It's the same message in Romans chapter 8 verse 5. Look at this with me. It says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
And even in Colossians chapter 3, Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. He understands that there is more to come. That what we experience in the here and now is not all that there is. Uh, I, I read a story not long ago, and it was about this tugboat that literally capsized on 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 the uh, near Nigeria, uh, on, on, near near Nigeria, and this the ship went under, and it went to the bottom, and and it literally flipped upside down near the coast of Nigeria, and three days later. The, the rescuers came. True story. This happened back in 2014. Three days later, three days later, the rescuers came, and uh, there were 12 men on the ship. They're, they are presuming they are going to recover the bodies of of these men. And the diver dives down into the murky water. He's got a camera. I've actually seen footage of this. And he's going down and he's looking through the crevices and he's he's recovering uh, the bodies of, of men who have passed away. They've been drowned in, in this sinking ship. And he reaches into one room and a hand reaches back to him. The ship had capsized and flipped upside down and out of 12 crewmen, there was one guy who survived. It was the cook. And, and just by the, the hand of God, there was this air pocket in the section that he was trapped in. And for three days, this guy survived off of Coca-Cola. For three days. And when he sees this hand come in, his hand reaches back. And when they interviewed this guy, they, they asked him, what were you thinking about? What, what, how were you processing this? And he said, the only thing I could do was pray. I prayed and I asked God that he would keep this air pocket here until help came. The only thing he could do was pray. Get this, he wasn't thinking about how much weight he had to lose. In that moment, he... He, he wasn't thinking about how much money was in his 401k. He wasn't thinking about how his children had gone in the wrong direction. He, the only thing he was thinking about was eternal things. And what Paul is pointing us to is that same direction that you and I would move past the temporary and that you and I would think about more eternal things. That our hearts would align with God's heart and that we would move from the worldly thinking to eternal thinking. That we would hold fast to the things that really, that really matter. Is that your thought process? Do you dwell on the things that are eternal rather than the things that are temporary? This is what Paul is challenging us with. and He says the genuine disciple has an eternal perspective. And he is challenging us to, to do the same. Lastly, we've got to see that convinced disciples accept the process. Convinced disciples accept the process. I love this. This is literally all over our passage. Our passage is littered with this. Verse 12 says this, I press on to make it my own. Verse 13, I sh- I'm straining forward. To what lies ahead. Verse 14. I press on 
toward the goal for the prize. Verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Then in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my, my joy and crown, get this, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. He's a guy who is admitting in this moment that he does not have it all together. Paul is saying, I, I ain't got it all together. I'm still striving. I, I'm still pursuing. I'm still pressing forward as hard as it may be. And, and the church of Philippi, I know you are a persecuted church. And I know people are coming after you because of your faith in Jesus. But, but, but press on with me. And, and what Paul is saying in this is, I don't have it all together. God is not done with me yet. I, I don't have it all together. I'm still moving forward. I'm, I'm pressing forward. He is saying he is extending himself to the limit. He, he is pursuing and he is chasing. It is the idea that he is a work in process. Here's a guy. Here's a guy in Paul who was who was dramatically saved on the Damascus Road. Here is a guy who has persecuted Christians. Here, here, here is a guy who, who at the same time, though he has persecuted Christians, he, he has memorized the first five books of the Bible. He, he has some of the best theological training. I mean, this guy is, is well learned. He's from high cotton. He's extremely intelligent. He wrote most of the New Testament and yet he is saying, I don't have it all together yet. I'm still pressing forward. I'm, I'm still straining and I'm still pursuing. And I love this because Paul is literally saying, he's saying to, to himself and he's preaching to himself and he's saying to the church of Philippi, keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Keep moving forward. Don't stop yet. And I know it's hard. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. Why in the world could a guy who is convinced, why in the world could a guy who has been left for dead at times, a a, a, a guy who has been brutally beaten, a guy who has been shipwrecked, how in the world could he say, press forward? I'm straining toward the mark. I'm holding on to hope. How could he say that? Because he is convinced. He's convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. He is convinced that apart from Christ, he is nothing. He is convinced that apart from Christ, he is an enemy of God. Paul is convinced. And he knows that the journey of faith is a process. I love this because what Paul is letting us know this morning is that there are times that he falls off. There are times he's going in the right direction and then there are times that, that he maybe ma- he makes mistakes and he falls down but yet he gets back up again. And there are times that, you know what, it's not a mistake, it was a deliberate sin and, and, and he gets back up again. 
And this ought to be encouragement to you and I that you and I do not have to live in perfection, but that the walk of faith, the genuine disciple of Jesus Christ, is one who is in process. And though he may take a blow, he, he gets back up again. And though she may, she may be talked about, but she gets back up again. And she continues to pursue. She continues to move forward. She continues to plug ahead because the journey of faith is a process. And none of us have arrived. None of us are completed yet. And if you and I are to really understand discipleship, we've got to understand that the disciple of Jesus is a work in process. She hadn't arrived yet. She hadn't gotten it all together. She hadn't attained perfection. She's not complete yet. And I love it because this is what Paul says in Romans 7 of himself. He says, the very things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. I mean, I can't get it together. Paul says, for I don't understand my own actions. He is saying to us that he is a work in progress. That he is moving forward. That he is putting one foot in front of the other. And I would love it if we viewed our relationships this way. I love it if we viewed our marriages this way. That we, we, we make mistakes and God gives grace. And we make mistakes and God gives grace. And, and we put one foot in front of the other and we just keep pressing on. I would love it if we parented our children this way. That, that though they may come against us, we, we extend grace and we put one foot in front of the other and we press on. We may not get it right all the time. We may explode on them sometimes, but, but we put one foot in front of the other and we press on. And this is what Paul saying. Paul saying the journey of the genuine disciple of Jesus Christ is a process. You hadn't figured it all out. And he is giving the freedom of struggle. Paul is towing the tension of understanding the knowledge of Christ, but yet not getting it right all the time. And one of the things that blesses my soul with this is because there is freedom to fail. There is freedom to mess up. And yet God is extending his matchless grace... Because for those who God has called, He will keep. And there is no mess up that will keep you away from the love of God because nothing can separate us. Well, Paul says, I'm in process. I'm progressing on. I'm pursuing God that I, I may reach the goal. That I may experience the prize. And it is the prize of glory. That one day I won't have to fall off of the journey anymore. That one day he will wipe away every tear from my eyes. That one day I will really experience the glory of his true resurrection. And and I will then experience perfection with my Savior. Paul says, until then, I'm, I'm in process. 
God is still working on me. He's still refining me. He's still making me over to be the man or the woman that He wants me to be. He's still making me over to be the child that He wants me to be. He is still working upon my heart. And and I love this because what it tells us is God has not forgotten about us. That He's still at work. That He is still pressing us forward. And that He is worth it. And we continue to press on. We continue to move forward. We, we continue to press on. And, and Paul is straining. This is not an easy process. If you want to know what a disciple is, you have to enter into this understanding that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not an easy process. Paul says, I'm straining. I'm striving toward the mark. And I'm encouraging you to hold on. And to move forward. To put one foot in front of the other. And yes, you're going to fall off the horse. And yes, you're going to mess up. And yes, you're going to make mistakes. And yes, you're going to intentionally go the wrong direction. But there is grace. And get back on the horse and keep pressing forward. Press forward. Press forward. Press forward. Because God has pressed forward toward you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that you you meet us where we are. And thank you, God, that you meet us in the midst of straining and pressing forward. Thank you, God, that even in this continual battle, even in this continual journey of faith, you never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, I pray that we would be convinced disciples. That we would be convinced of your love for us. That we would be convinced of your calling. That we would be convinced people who have an eternal perspective. Pray that over our church, God. God, help us each day to see our need for you. Lord, help us not to rush to the process of discipleship before we genuinely understand what a disciple is. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise. Now, God, we pray over these offerings that we're about to receive. We pray, God, that you would multiply them for the building of your kingdom. That through these tithes and these offerings that your fame and your renown would grow in Memphis, Tennessee. That church, churches would be supported and staff would be supported and... Residents would be raised up. We pray, God, that you would use them. That your name would be glorified in Memphis, Tennessee, and beyond. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.